This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 352, brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex Satellite New York Comic Con, and iFanboy listeners like you.
MyFanboy.com. This is episode 352. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. When you say it wrong, it throws me off. <laughs> yeah, it totally makes me off. I was like, I what is he doing? It was a really good recovery. <laughs> no. You were fine for you. For me, I was like, where am I? What show am I doing? All you need to do is wait to hear your name. That's your cue. Anything that happens before that is not your concern. Hi. And Rod Richards. Hello. See? Great job, guys. At iFanboy.com, we like comics, and we read them as a result of liking them, and every week we read a bunch of them. Some weeks we read, really read a lot of them. Uh, and then uh, one of us has the job of uh, picking the one that they like best. They call it the Pick of the Week. Write about it on the website. Then we come here and talk about it on this show, along with uh, other books from the week and some other, some other junk, some other ephemera. Before we get going, we're going to be talking about what happens in those books. So if you haven't read them yet, uh, they could be spoiled for you, and we certainly do not want to disappoint you like that. So be warned. If you, if you don't want to know, read them, read them ahead of time. Come back later or just, you know, brave, bravely forge uh, ahead. So uh, that being all said, you know the deal. Connor, you had to pick this week. You had to pick of yeah. you had to pick of all the comics that in the world that came. I had like th- I had like over thirty titles. I had twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. It yeah. was a lot of titles. Um, by the end of the day, the Rocketeer Cargo of Doom number two from IDW Publishing was the pick of the week because I imagined them with rockets. Nice. Yeah. Um, if you recall, uh, Cargo of Doom number one was almost the pick of the week until I snaked it away from Ron. Uh, that's because this series is wonderful. It's it's delightful. I'm so glad you picked it this week. Uh, it, it we you know we we we've, we've talked a lot about the Rocketeer because there's been a Rocketeer Renaissance in the last year thanks to IDW. They did that anthology, those two anthology miniseries, and now this Rocketeer series. Uh, I mean, this is also a miniseries, but this is a, this is not an anthology. And we love the Rocketeer, and it's funny because we don't really have concrete reasons why, other than he looks cool and he flies, and it's the 1940s, and he's he, you know he's he's that sort of 40s era hero with the the dame girlfriend, and he, he just wants to fly planes, and he fights Nazis, and he wears jodhpurs. Um, it's it's once again it's a it's a case of the rare book that all three of us across the board adore. Yeah. I like uh, my reason would be that the, that the comics feel different than all the other ones. They're just a little bit more loose and a little bit more fun. It's like a bit this more, one, it's a bit retroy, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is that it attracts really good talent on it, so they get to play without all the rules, but they're really successful, as as you see with this team. Yeah. Mark Wade's the writer. Chris Samney's the artist. You recognize them from Daredevil. If you read that book, we talked about last time how. And I think reinforced that I think this book is better looking than Daredevil. Agreed. For, for reasons I don't know why. Yep. Uh, colorist. Colorist. Jordi Belair is a big reason. I think the the printing quality helps the the art. It's a really nice glossy paper. Yep. Um, and I th- I feel like they're just having a lot of fun with this with this series in a way that you can't really. I mean, I'm sure there's restrictions on what they can and can't do, but it's not like it's you're writing in the DC and Marvel universe where you have things you can and can't do. Whereas, you know, I I don't know if there are restrictions. <laughs> I think I mean I think the only restriction is that you just you can't kill the characters. Like that's what I feel like. I feel like there's no you know like every every ever since they decided to dust off the Rocketeer and and you know and we we've talked about this every time we talk about the Rocketeer how it's Dave Stevens and it's a sacred cow and you can't do it. But then they did it and they got great talent. They've told these little stories that are just like off the shelf stories that you know there's no continuity or canon to worry about other than the fact that Cliff is the Rocketeer. That's all you need. That's all you need. That is nice. Like, yeah. like if people who have been listening to us talk about this for the past couple of years, you should know that the one story I, I can't think of any of the stories that have had anything to do with any of the other ones. They don't. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a sitcom. It's back to the beginning every time, and you go from there. And, and they jump around in years. Sometimes it's during yeah. the war. Sometimes it's pre-war, post-war. Um, and what's f- interesting is Mark Wade did a story in the anthology. It was one of the best ones I thought. He really captures that. 
he has that sort of old school black and white spirit, but also kind of demented, but also very funny and just yeah. sort of off the wall. I think this particular character and this particular uh, arena to play in really works to his favor. Um, it's a funny, it's a funny book. It's an exciting book. It's adventurous. It's daring do. It's old school heroes and villains, and it's more. It's, it's, right li- it's a little sexy. A little sexy, right up Mark Wade's alley. Uh, we, we told you last time that. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, those two aren't related, but putting oh. them back to back made me laugh. It's. Uh, <laughs> I was look, I was looking at the butts on the first page. Um, so, uh, in the last series, if you recall, the last issue, if you recall, there's two things going on. One is that Cliff is trying to get certified for fl- being a pilot and is and trying to get his uh, government certification. Uh, except that the government certifier was a creepy old pedophile trying to get with the girl who seemed much older in this issue than she did in the last issue. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, se- separate from that, there was a mysterious cargo, a cargo of doom, if you will, being brought into the port of Los Angeles by a mysterious and evil gang of thugs led by the master who's who also is uh, being led by an even more mysterious person covered in tattoos who we see in this issue. And he has we did, a frilly cravat, which I think is nice. nice. He doesn't, we don't know what the cargo was. We didn't know how that was going to re- relate to the Rocketeer. In this issue, the two storylines merge as the uh, master hears about this Rocketeer person, decides he wants to challenge him, finds him, and blows up his, his hangar with his plane. And So the Rocketeer goes off to chase him. Uh, with his awesome rocket pack, and well, ends yeah, well up on- think of why the guy wants the rocketeer though. That's the that's the great that's the great part of it. Right. Well, we'll get to that. So we, we when he finally gets to the plane, he sneaks onto it after he lost the rocket pack to the master, and he gets captured by thugs. One of whom awesomely wears his hat, his rocketeer helmet on top of his head because it's too small. Um, where we find out that the cargo of doom came from Skull Island from the King Kong movies. And it's full of basically dinosaurs who they're going to unleash onto the populace and wreak havoc. Uh, but they decided that with the Rocketeers' rocket packing technology, they can give all of the dinosaurs jetpacks. So, <laughs> with, with, with just with five words, one narr- in one narration box. Now imagine them with rockets. They had. I was, us. <laughs> I was reading this in my kitchen. I was having breakfast, and I started laughing, and I, I didn't stop for a good few minutes after because it was just such a. A gleeful, ridiculous thing. And there's a picture of little tiny Tyrannosaurus arms and a <laughs> well, rocket pack. No, and then for me, it's, it's the it's the Brontosaurus in the background who's just with the, just is flying, like totally horizontal. <laughs> his, his legs just limp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not a man-eater, so he's just going to kind of fly around. Yeah. Oh. And there's, there's another Tyrannosaurus grabbing a subway car. So I, it just, it sounds stupid on its yes. surface. But it's it's so within the tone of this series, yep. and it's and I wrote my review. This is a series based on those old '30s and '40s movie serials that you'd go into, and you know when you saw a movie, there'd be a bunch of things before it, so you really got your your dimes worth. Um, it's a continuing story that went on from week to week, and it was silly, and it was it, it was pulpish, and it, it featured over the top robots and villains and things that, that happened, and they were crazy, and it's very much in that tone of. We're going to bring a, a shipload of dinosaurs to, to America and let them loose and give them jetpacks so they can fly and do even more damage. And it's just silly, but in a great way. And I just, this, I adored this. There was no contender after that. After I read that page, and then the issue ends with the Cliff being about to be dropped into a Tyrannosaurus cage in the great uh, cliffhanger tradition, uh, just wonderful. I love this book. And Chris art and Jordi Belair's colors is, is great. It was really fun because when I read... This I, I zoomed in on exactly that line, and I hadn't read your review or anything yet. 
And I was like, if I wrote a review, I'd base it around that line. And then I saw you put it on the homepage and it was the first line of the review. And I was like, we're simpatico. That's cool. <laughs> um, one of the things that also I think was really great about this issue is there's long segments um, of just action. Mm. And I noticed it uh, sort of because I, I was reading and reading and then all of a sudden I realized I'd flip past a couple of pages and I'd sort of stop paying attention and I was like, wait, I got to go back. And so I, and I, like, I read through the sort of action-based, not dialogue-based storytelling uh, and, and there's pages of it like right in a row uh, and it was really, that was really fun like just because you know, they're letting them do that and Insomni's a really good storyteller. Um, yeah, the whole and, and just like the dialogue in it. And, and just the, the I, I love the, the sort of cartoonish nature of uh, uh, Cliff's ragdoll body. <laughs> he falls out of the sky like a cartoon, you know, and, and, and just, are you okay? I just fell out of the sky. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's just, it's just slightly cartoonish, obviously, because there's dinosaurs. But This um, is not a great entry level book. This is a silly, no, this is a silly then, throwback adventure. Then as you go into that final sequence, uh, the, the other flight inspector guy who turned around very quickly is saying, oh, he's going to be fine. And, and the whole scene that goes on in the background uh, without that dialogue is like the the thugs turn around and spot him immediately, and they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> like I just, I just love that. Like he's not he's a, he's not a he's not a great hero. No, no, not at all. He's, he's not good at it, and I think that's fun. He's plucky. Yeah, he does somewhat to no, his own detriment. Nothing gets him down, but he you know he's not like Batman out there. He's you know he's he's, he's yeah. at home in the air, but when he gets to the ground, it's a problem. <laughs> now uh, the big. The story this week in the mainstream media is that another person died in a Marvel event, which yep. I'm, sh- I'm sure you were, you were all shocked by. Avengers vs. X-Men 11, Ron, I thought encapsulated what's both good and bad about this miniseries. Right, yeah, well, well, yeah, so, so we, got, we, we got word of it earlier in the week that this was coming, and um, it was going to be in the news, and, and it was going to be one of those, wake up in the morning and have it spoiled for you, and actually I was able to talk to Axel Alonso, um, did a quick interview about it, and, and so uh, Wednesday morning that, that went up and got a little more insight to it, but um, I, I'm conflicted. <laughs> um, but so, so, so to get across the, for those you know reading along, you know what we're talking about. For those not not reading Avengers vs X Men, if you haven't heard, but essentially the big thing was that Professor Xavier died by Cyclops's hand, right? And um, this issue would be a little the the cover admittedly doesn't give it away because the cover's got uh, Emma Frost and Cyclops going at it because in the inevitable in, as, in, a, in a fight way, not a sexy yeah, way. Yeah, in a fight way. Yeah, not in a sexy way. But um, in the inevitable, you know, as we've seen the other fi- other members of the Phoenix Five fall and the power go to the other members, you know, it was clear that Cyclops and Emma were going to face off. Somebody was going to want to grab the power. Um, but uh, so before we get into the conflict, I, I just want to say um, Olivier Coppel. Yeah, much better yeah. this time than last time. Wow, like yeah. like to- like showed up, like big time showed up, like yeah, like this this was this looked great. It, yeah. it, it, it like couldn't could nary find a problem with a single page. Um, I agree. Yeah, um, so that was the good. Um, the conflict here that I have with this is just that everyone's talking about how. The Phoenix has corrupted Scott and uh, Cyclops, and how he needs to be stopped. Or and I'm reading every book. Yeah, I'm reading everything. I don't see it. Right. I see. I see Cap being sanctimonious, and the Avengers being knowing better than the rest of us, and saying there's no way that that's you're sanct- biased. I, I am biased. I will, I will gladly admit it. But I would gladly admit it. But from the from the get go, 
Cap and the other Avengers have, and Wolverine have had a stick up their butt saying that this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And yes, I know Namor f- attacked Wakanda, and I know that Ileana and, and Colossus were putting Avengers in a, in a hell jail in, in Russia. Yes. I know that. In a but, volcano. In a volcano. I, I get that those were wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not debating that. Uh-huh. But that said, the lionizing and scapegoating of Cyclops here just feels a little forced to me. I mean, I can see it, it makes the most sense in this book. Yes. Uh, if you just follow in this book, I think the arc makes sense of the power corrupting. And, and that, in that sense, I understand yeah. Uh, but I can see why you, as Cyclops' number one fan, would be upset. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm kind of pissed. Kind of yeah. pissed. Um, well, at least he's alive. Yeah, at least he's alive. That's for sure. That's for sure. Because <laughs> I thought that there was some good action sequences. I thought that yeah. the, the, again, getting back to the point that this is both the good and the bad. I thought the the action stuff was fun. I, I really enjoyed a lot of it. Although the build up to adding the Hulk to the fight was really not much of a payoff. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, but you know, it just so that it just. The the Professor X thing, he hasn't been on the game board in a long time, at least from as far as I can no, tell. No, at all, at all. He shows up, he, he talks a bit, and then Cyclops kills him. And it's not it's not like that. He should have entered into the picture early on, into it, early on in the series, and yeah. built up his importance in the story to kill him in this story. It would have made it more of an interesting, you know, twist than the Phoenix taking over, killing, and then I don't know. It just it, there there are things that are both good and bad about this issue, right? And stuff, and then that's I think that describes the mini. I think it itself. looked I think it looked great. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think it was I don't I don't, get me wrong, I don't think it's this was poorly written. Whereas other issues I think were questionable and stuff like that. Like the action flow and everything goes. I have a greater problem with the story. Whereas like it's the kind of thing where you know everyone keeps saying this thing as if it's the truth and i don't really think it's the truth you know and so and i you th- refuse to believe you're going to start no i don't know i start a heat like organization yeah i really am <laughs> no and the, the thing is that like and i don't doubt that that that's the story that they want to tell and i don't doubt that cuz everyone can easily well cyclops is a dick and and you know and, and every and it's it's so easy but to me as the x men fan and as a cyclops fan but also as a critical reader I don't feel like they sold it. That you know, like I just feel like they're 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 telling you over and over again that Cyclops is bad and needs to be stopped. I don't see it, and maybe I missed it. But I'm like I said, I'm reading everything. I think I think it's been the power corrupting that's been going on in this in this mini. I can't speak yeah. to the other stories because I'm not reading yeah. them. But no, but in this sense, do you get the feeling that they needed to stop Cy- Cyclops? Well, yeah, because, because all that's been done is that they've been going and fighting him and telling him they need to stop him. Well, what, when he what, got Phoenix what? power, they remade the war. They made, they started remaking things in their own image and changing things. I mean, that's basically the, the point where they had to stop him for well, sure. Well, but what he, he he they they fed people, they fed hungry people. They, He's they, a dictator. They, well, but but in what? But you know, like, but in but did they ever stop and be like, okay, Scott, you've got this power. What do you want to do with it? Like no. it's been it's been it's been cap on a soapbox since the first page. Captain Wolverine saying, this is bad, this has got to stop. And they never stop to say, like, well, maybe this could be good. Maybe if we work with them. And that's my problem. Captain Wolverine, it's no, the same no, as, no, dictators it, are bad. Yeah. It's the same. It's the, basically the same flaw as Civil War. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. It just stuck everybody on the side. And you were yeah. like, well, you gave them this conviction. Right. But it doesn't really hold up. Right. You know, Tony Stark, it doesn't really hold up after you've been through all this now. Right. Like, anybody reading this can tell. I'm just... And and, and I know it's I know it's fun to make fun of Cyclops and say he's boring and he's a dick and stuff like that, but he's he's a fucking hero. 
and he's a, and he's a, and he's a leader and he's a hero and I just feel like, and no 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 and I just feel like there's there's there they, John Kerry they needed they needed a they needed a a scapegoat for this whole conflict and and they just slapped the phoenix costume on him and made him the scapegoat. Well, I mean, if you, if you do think about it, his arc does logic can logically go this way in that well, yeah, don't he's give, always guess, been the number one student and he's he's sort of taken that role on as the new Magneto in terms of he's got more militant about things over the years. Right, and I get and I get and don't get me wrong, I get it. Like I understand, like I could see them in the in the fucking conference room doing their little um, you know boys club retreats things or whatever, and and saying you know the connection to Gene and the Phoenix and the connection to Xavier and the father and son relationship and his position as a leader and all that sort of stuff but it again it just like I given all the pages of story we've seen in this and the Kunlun bullshit and, yeah. and all those other stuff you didn't give me a moment where he did something so heinous that it proved Cap right and I well, don't he, I, I, I think that's where we disagree but that's fine right no and the thing is uh, I don't, but, and you keep saying a dictator I don't think Scott's ever been the one to say everyone needs to follow me Find me, find me in the story where Scott said, "I am the ruler of the world." He didn't. He said, I mean, "Maybe not in so many words, but actions also." I don't know. I, I think the I, biggest problem with the series is that there hasn't been enough story for twelve issues. Right, and and they did, and they didn't sell. They didn't sell this. I really don't think, and I, and I think everyone's blind to it because it's fun to to. I want to say gangbang, but it's fun to gang up on, on Cyclops. <laughs> the other thing is also fun, apparently. Yeah, but it's fun to gang. Oh, it's fun to gang up on. It's fun to gang up on Cyclops and do all this. But like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna go back and read it and find me the point where Scott crossed the line in the series. Find me the point where he did it. Well, he crossed the line when they became the Phoenix Force Five and wow. uh, copyright Ron Richards, and you know, be, you know, took, start taking over the world. That's where they crossed the line. I would love to see like Ron get dumped into the retreat <laughs> and like really just take. Take Jeff Loeb to task. I don't know what he had to do with this, but right, no, but find, find me where find me where he said we're taking the world over. It didn't. He didn't have to say it as long as they just started doing it. But they, but I, but again, I don't think they, they what they were stopped. They were feeding people and stopping crime. Right, but if you do it in a uh, no, 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 what if you no, do it in a way that crushes free will, then it still makes you a dictator. No, but they, no, but they, they, but I don't think it's they the were whole cru- trains run on time thing. But I don't think they were crushing free will. The 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 biggest problem early in the series was that they they were they were addressing problems before the Avengers could, and Cap got pissed. Remember when like when when he said report in Ironfest is like, yep, they showed up again and they took care of it. There's nothing for us to do. Like honestly, I think that it's it's this it's this Captain America. And I'm not saying it's a problem with Captain America, but it's them putting Captain America as the voice of reason, as the one that everyone should always know. But I, I don't see it. I don't. Maybe I'm blind, but I don't see it. Blinded by my bias, but I don't see it. So, Josh, the shade. <laughs> oh, it's going to take me a minute to sort of snap into gear for that. Uh, the shade was fantastic. The shade was this, great. This might have been. I don't want to say it's better. This was as good as any of the best issues of the series. How's that? Uh, it was the standalone origin of the shade, which at the beginning I thought. I know the origin of the shade. I've been through this, but no, it was and and because it was because James Robinson is it lives in the skin of these characters. It didn't feel like going back to the well. It just felt like didn't feel like before Watchmen. It felt like you know if if Alan Moore had said, "Oh, I was I, was, I had this story in the back pocket all along," she just got to tell it a little better. Yeah. Um, the, it, I, it it took five pages for me. With the, with the shade number twelve, five pages in, because whenever I love the shade stories, but I hate the handwriting font, like because it's kind of hard to read. <laughs> I do too, and that sort of thing. But five pages we get in, and then shade says, 
I should probably mention my my friend, the writer Charles Dickens. And I was like, of yeah. course. <laughs> See, he had me. He had me on panel six. Oh, really? When he said, "If if I if I'm to die, then let's be about it." And I was like, "I love that. I love that <laughs> yeah, line. I love yeah. it. It's great." I was, it's great. I was I was I want to say that all day long. And then the the other side that doesn't hurt this this series has been a wash in fantastic artists. Yep. And and I dare say that Gene Ha maybe came along and blew everybody away. Agreed. Uh, it, it, it was a beautiful issue. I, I mean, this, there was a lot of great art this week, and this was yeah. one it, of the best ones. That was the story of the week as I was reading my comics over and over again. I was like, man, this is this is a week of one wonderful art, uh, you know, over and over again. Uh, you I, know, just, I just wish that Robinson could write these characters all of the time. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I just wish he could. He, I wish the, the book was popular enough to, or that his interests l- lie in just writing them all the time. And I don't. I don't. Want to take away from the perfection that was Starman in that story? I don't. Yeah. I don't want him to come back. I just wish you know he's so good at writing these characters. Yeah, I just want. Well, this I, was done in such a way that I, did, I didn't take away from Starman at all. Which no, I no. But I just cool. mean is there's not much much more to go without bringing, yeah. some, bringing more people in. It's just it's yeah. It's he's just so good at it. It's it's ridiculous. I will say that I think that I think maybe the first one or two of them was a little bit rusty. Like it didn't quite sound like the shade to me. And either he sort of got into the groove of it again or. I got used to however he is now, but this one felt the most like you could have you could tack this to the end of my last omnibus, and I would have been like, oh, yeah. it's it's just part of that. It's from that time, whatever. It, it you know, it's just it was uh, it was it was a joy, and and more so each issue. So like you know, how many things you say that about? Mm. I mean, it's it's scary how dialed in he is to this character and this world, and how great it, it, it's. It, you know, twelve issues isn't enough. Like, a, like he could do a yeah. ongoing shade. So, and like, and this proved this series proved that it's not dependent on the artist. Like, he can work with anybody, and and visualize it and bring it to you know. It's it's great. I just I'm sad. Well, it's I, over. I do think that there was a a, a, a standard of artist. I oh, mean, of he, course, he yeah, no, don't get me, yeah, don't get me wrong, in guys. Would, yeah, I wouldn't put know. half the people at DC on any of these books. I mean, you got to put a good artist on it. But it, well, but, know, but, yeah, the, but yeah. these are the best guys that DC had basically yeah, on yeah. hand through the whole thing, which was really cool. And everybody, everybody, not only were the artists who were on it good, but everybody stepped up. You yeah. know, like like we saw Jill Thompson art that like I've never seen before. Yeah. You know, on on that earlier one, uh, and this was maybe you know Gene Ha had been changing his style around a little bit, and you know he can he can play in and out of styles. I think the last time I saw him, I didn't quite like it as much, but this was this was great. But it wasn't necessarily the same thing as like Top Ten. Yeah. Now Stumptown Volume Two Number One came out, which is the uh, second miniseries from the Stumptown stories that Greg Rucka and Matthew Southworth are doing. If you recall, Stumptown the first series. Was when was that two years ago? It was a long time ago. A long time. It was ago. a long time ago. It was, it was 2008. Four years ago, when we first talked to them about it, it was another year, year and a half before we saw the first issue, and then it was a a good long while between before it ended. Well, according to Southworth, who came on iFanboy and said that uh, there, this is a, a six issue, five issue. Basically, five. he's he's done four of the five already. Yeah, they they got smart about it this time. Yeah. So the so, four of the five yeah. have been drawn. He's drawing five now. So this should come out on time. And and Rucka told me the same thing. They weren't going to release this until until it was good to go. Yep. Stumptown is the story of a private investigator in Portland, Oregon, who is yes. uh, uh, basically um, you know a down and out PI, which is Greg's. If you read his little essay in the back, his favorite sort of character. Yep. And I love the essay in the back about his love of PIs. Uh, last time we had a Southworth backup stuff about art, and this time Ruck is going to write backup stuff about his writing, uh, which if you like r- the process of writing and, and Rucka does, it's going to be a good read, I think. But uh, I, like this, I like the story and the case a lot in this one. Yep. 
I love. I think this is a great setup story. I, I think I, I. I don't know where I saw it. It might have been Twitter or Facebook or something like that. But I saw someone who I'm very familiar with comment about Matt Southworth's rendering of the Les Paul guitar in this comic, and and I read that before I read the issue, and then I read the issue, and I was like, holy shit, he's right. And that person, no, he, uh, and that person was Josh. Yeah, <laughs> Matt. I saw the Les Paul, and I was like, that guy knows a guitar. Yep. Like it looks. And I mean, it does, it's not a hard shape to mimic or whatever, but he got the thickness right. He yep. got the he got the heft of it right. Like it just looks like it. And, and you know, I talk his his favorite guitar that that Matt has is a '72 Les Paul, so he's got this one. Yep. So obviously he he rendered it, you know, from from the actual thing. But right away I, I saw it. I immediately was like, that is a good looking guitar guitar drawing right there. Yep. Uh, I I love this setup. I love the story. I thought this was. This is the best script out of any of the Stumptown issues that I've read, and they've already won an Eisner. Yep. Uh, this is the the story is that a rock band, a Portland era, area rock band, who's fairly popular, popular enough to be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Uh, the guitar player has her favorite guitar stolen, and that's going that's to kick off the story. It will, of course, go in other directions as these stories always go, but that is the premise. If you like crime stuff, or you know, you, and you don't need to have read the first mini at all. Uh, they would, you, I'm sure there'll be allusions to what happened, but you, it's just a it's just a PI story. You can jump in here and read it. Yep. Um, and well, what was really cool is that I know that uh, Matt Southworth is a is a musician. He's played in bands a lot. He's done all sorts of things. But um, I don't I don't know what Greg Rucka's relationship to music is. But like he really nailed the idea of the the musician's relationship to the instrument. Uh, and sort of like the idea, the person who plays guitar thinks of it like like a piece of art, but like a like a beloved heirloom and piece of art, and it's their the conduit to their to their musicianship and everything. And he got that really really well. Yep. It's cool. I love stories like this. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I can't wait for the rest of the series. It was definitely a good first issue. Yeah. Now, once again, I read all of the DC Zero issues. Which <laughs> you're you're a you're a far greater man than either of us. It's been a while since I've seen he <laughs> should not be named doing artwork. I oh, did. Yeah. I did take a couple of bullets to this one too. I just want to say. Uh, I, did, um, no, I did not. I did. I only had two of the of the ones that came out, and e- and even then, my stack was over thirty books, so I opted out this week. Um, I would say that you know, you know the much anticipated Batman Zero I thought was fun. I think the main story by Scott Snyder is clearly setting up something that's going to pay off later in in the uh, Joker storyline. Yeah. But the backup by J- James Tinney in the fourth and Matthew Clark, first of all, was gorgeous. Yeah. And second of all, it was really fun. It was a story about how just a quick little you know story about how the sidekicks in the you know in, as as younger kids are all inspired by the bat signal. And I thought that was it was a nice story. And I think it also it also highlights how ridiculous how many of them there are now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I did like I did like the Nightwing costume. I thought that was cool. DC has got a problem with their timeline. Yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> did Andy Clark do one of the arcs of Batman and Robin? Yes. Yeah, I think I wrote a pick of the week about one of those. Yeah. He draws that very sort of uh, what's that? What's that art style? It's it's like carving. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Woodcut. Sort of wood wood cut. Woodcut style. It's yeah. very Gary Frank esque. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. But at the time, he was sort of sticking in the Frank Quietly, you know, which who also has the sort of a lot of those little skitchy lines. Yeah. Um, uh, Batman and Robin was fun. It featured the D- Damien story. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I liked that. Uh, that's really bad birthdays for Damien. If you've, yeah. you've had a bad birthday, at least your mother starting early too. At least your mother doesn't appear out of the shadows with a stick beating you until you until you fight back. Well, that's not necessarily. <laughs> uh, some maybe maybe some people do. I enjoyed Frankenstein. I hadn't been reading it with Matt Kent. I enjoyed that. Uh, I enjoyed Demon Knights with Paul Cornell looking back at Etrigan the Demon. And, but to me, the most uh, surprising and fun was Team Seven. Wow, really? 
Yeah, I loved it. Justin Dorn, Jordan, Jesus Marino talk. It's sort of a checkmate-esque team. Yep. Um, with Deathstroke the Terminator, Black Canary, Grifter, and a bunch of other people. Yep. Um, Amanda Waller. And this was the getting the team together. And then also John Lynch from Lynch, yep. Wildstorm was there. This, this, uh, this is the only other one I read aside from Batman because I love Team 7 back in the Wildstorm and I love Lynch. And I just love the I, – back in the late 90s, I liked what they were doing with the whole, um, with the whole Wildstorm side of the world. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I didn't like this at all, <laughs> and it's totally because it wasn't what I used to like. And so, well, there you go. Like, I mean, this was uh, I thought this was, this was a grifter we we wanted to get in the irregular book. I thought the idea of these mercenary characters all together, and they're bringing them in out of nowhere. They were referenced in Suicide Squad. They were referenced in a, like three other books. The Team Seven debacle. So clearly, this is going to go badly uh, for them. It was referenced in Deathstroke, Terminator, and the Grifter book, and a couple other places. Can we just focus on Deathstroke for a second? And I come to this objectively. Oh, the book? It was Death- very bad. Deathstroke's real, yeah. It was. It was, it was, it was really not very good from, by, from that, any... That was by He Who Will Not Be Named, right? Yeah. Any sta- yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Both parts. Yeah. And it was, it was badly written in that it was incredibly just super cliched. There's this really funny part, though, where um, it's a, uh, when, when Slade is in the military and uh, all this stuff happens and then... He's got blonde hair on one page, and then they're like, and a few months later we were married, and then he has straight white hair. Well, well that, that, that'll do it to you. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's probably a good point. A couple um, months later we were married, and I was like, well, what the fuck happened to him, dude? <laughs> yeah, this is this really his, bad. His arms are of wildly varying proportions. Uh, uh, Grifter was equally bad, even though it had a different artist and a different scripter. It was equally bad as that. Yep. Yeah. So I think, Josh, you would like Team 7. Yeah, I, I actually meant to read it. It's actually separate from the rest of the things. I just didn't. And I, I like that there's a doomed element to it. Clearly, it's going to go badly. It's, but I, I clearly I put it off. Like I read all the other ones you told me to read, and then I was like, yeah, I gotta read, I gotta read that one. You, will, I think you might like that. You, I don't right. think you'll love it, but I think you'll like it. I think it's got a grifter that you wanted to see before but didn't get. It. Oh, good. Because, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Seagate GoFlex satellite. It's the only wireless portable hard drive that streams content to your eye pad and up to eight other devices with a 500 gigabyte wi-fi access and rechargeable battery uh satellite the satellite can carry pretty much your entire library of music video pictures documents whatever it is you want and you can share it wirelessly to your ipad or any other device you have um with the free goflex media app or web browser so you can check it out by heading to um, no actually you can go to seagate.com slash ifanboy and there you've got a you can get 10 percent off uh, the purchase of a Seagate GoFlex satellite hard drive. So we worked at that with Seagate to give iFanboy listeners a special discount. So go to Seagate.com slash iFanboy. Very cool. I have It fits in my pocket. I can tell you that much. Yep. Cool. So um, uh, many people I feel like kind of, you know, once Uncanny X-Force had the big kind of Dark Angel saga thing end, and then and then there um, there was the Takini arc, and then we had some rotating artists, I feel as if the, the heat on Uncanny X-Force has kind of dissipated a little bit. It did a little bit. Yeah. I think um, the feeling that the, the feeling like hey, this is ending. Right. Yeah. Well, not so much this is ending, but I feel like people are like, all right, well, they did it, and and it, it meandered yeah. a bit after Dark Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. But um, so it, it was confirmed earlier this week or last week. Actually, it was confirmed that Rigger would would not be staying on the title once Marvel Now kicks in, and that the final execution saga arc is actually his last arc. And talking about a way to go out with Phil Noto on art, and it is like tying back to that original first storyline of X Force and looked awesome. 
Yeah, this is this is recapturing yes. the magic it had before. This yep. is this is the, the book that was in my top five for a long time. This yeah. is this was great. He's it, Remender's pu- pulling together this new Brotherhood of Evil mutants with Mystique and Sabretooth and Dokken and um, and Shadow King, and they're they're corrupting the young um, Evan, Apocalypse. The, the young Apocalypse, and you've got X Force kind of kind of a little bit all over the place after taking a beating. Phantom X is very much dead, um, and it's and Noto just like. Amazing. I think if you're a trade reader like Josh is of the yeah. series, you could skip right to this after Dark Phoenix. Yeah. Or Dark, what is it called? Um, Dark Angel. Dark Angel. I think you yep. could skip it. I skip the final execution because I, I didn't love the ones in the middle, but you could skip it. Yeah. Although the one, the arc before this is a little important because it brings in Nightcrawler and the, what happens yeah, to Phantom true. X and that's stuff true. like that. Yeah. So, but but that, it, was, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, are, did, have either of you guys checked out It Girl from Image with uh, Jamie Rich writing and Mike Norton's art? No, I have not. No. It's really good. Like, it's really, really good. And, like, it's funny because it's like I've been reading the first two it's issues. A, in the middle it's of... a Mike Allred comic, right? Well, no, it's not. It's I mean, it's, it's his characters. Oh. It's his characters that's what I mean. doing the covers. Yeah, but it's basically – it's It Girl who is one of the Atomics, and it's just like – we talk about there are no comics with, with, with female leads and, and kind of you – know, it's, it's just a straight-up fun superhero book with, with, with a, a female superhero in the lead, and it's like – and you don't need to know anything about Madman. You don't need to know anything about Allred's work or anything like that. It's just like if you're looking for something new and if you're looking for something with a, with you know with a, a female lead, like I would totally say pick this up. And honestly, it's some of the best Norton stuff I've seen. I've like he just he, he's getting better and better. So he's got crazy skills. Yeah, he's got crazy between the between the the look of revival and that kind of thriller mysterious kind of look, and with this being so brightly colored and superhero-y, it's showing such a range. So yeah, it's really good. Um, did did you bail on Winter Soldier, Connor? No. How beautiful was the was this book, this Josh? Issue? You you you. I don't know why you're not reading this book. This is this is our, this uh, that's is, how disenchanted I was with Captain. I know, America. but this we've been telling you for ten issues now. This is this is the good brewbaker from Captain America one through twenty five. Yeah, and I actually this picked is, up this issue, but I haven't read it because I figure is, I should read what came this, this, yeah. this, this was Butch guys. Like aside from the story, I give two shits about the story, which actually was really good. Um, the, I mean the first the first half of that's the book. That's a glowing review. <laughs> no, but the first half of the no, I want to say the first half of the book, but the whole issue. Just like I'm loving what Geis is doing with this issue, with this with this book. It just it looks great. He's been doing crazy Steranko stuff for this whole time. He's been drawing it. Um, and the crazy scientist is Brian uh, Brian Azzarello. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but uh, the art and this has been great. This is this has been tight spy story, Brubaker. Uh, in that old Captain America vein, and is you know it's just wonderful. Look at that page too. That that Maria Hill, yeah, like hot, and like and like <laughs> and the the layouts and like and the whole flashback sequence of the action and stuff. Oh, Josh, like Josh, just go go take a look at this issue, and and tell me that that you're not in love. And also, Jasper Sitwell died, which is sad. <laughs> I like. Oh, I don't need to read it now. I like Jasper. Come on, jeez. Josh, I think this is my favorite issue of Punk Rock Jesus. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Yeah. I think uh, he got it here. And he was, you know, it's like you, you clear all the hurdles of setting everything up and then you get to run, uh, and and which is fine story-wise, but he did it both with story and art. And I think it was it was the best written and it was the best drawn and it was sort of the most exciting and well-paced issue out of any of them so far. Yep. 
um, that's basically all that I'd have to say about it, you know, because we've, we've talked about all of them. But uh, no, I'm, I'm glad you you saw that too. So because I was like, wow, that was that was really much much better uh, than it, than it had been before. So uh, I'm looking forward to it sort of uh, ramping up and ending strong. Fantastic Four six ten was a strong bounce back from the last issue. This was the Hickman Fantastic Four stories I've been enjoying. A little funny, a little goofy, a little sciencey. And Stegman was wonderful. I, I, this is a, this is a scratchier style, which I'm not used to after the last issue, and much more appropriate for this story than it was for the last one. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because he's not being inked, so it's 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 Mouse's coloring right off of his pencils. So I think that's yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think he's inking himself. Oh, is he inking himself also? Okay, well, yeah. they gave us the preview of of the uncolored pages, and it was yeah. he inked himself. Normally, uh, there's another guy, and I can't think of his name, who inks him most of the time. And when that's when you get that smoother, cleaner style. That's yeah. the guy who was doing Scarlet Spider, and this is just Ryan uh, doing doing yeah. all those parts oh, himself. Cool. Good. In, in this issue, Aim buys an island and <laughs> becomes the country, not Bermuda. So. No, Bermuda. Bermuda. Cool. So those are the books. That, <laughs> the, the, those are the books that we're came. not kidding. We're not. Yeah. But I know. Those, well, are the bo- those are the books that came out this week. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics. You can see all the books. Well, that's not all the books that came out. Those are the books that we enjoy that we want or wanted to talk about. Um, but a whole bunch, a whole mess of other books came out. And you can see them all at ifanboy.com slash comics. And you can do your uh, you can do your pull list and rate them and come back and pick your pick of the week and go through the top five picks of the week by chosen by the ifanboy community. And number five was The Shade, number 12, with 8.4% of the picks of the week, uh, which is a great showing for the last issue of The Shade. Um, Avengers vs. X-Men number 11 with 9.5%. Uh, the uh, Connors pick of the week, The Rocketeer, Cargo of Doom number 2 got 14.3%. Uh, the surprising Punk Rock Jesus number 3 came in with 15.4%, which uh, probably is a testament to how good this, that issue was. Um, and finally, continuing its dominance over the pick of the week charts, although not by the usual dominance, uh, Batman number 0 got 26.1% of the picks of the week. That is a nice spread. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a healthy spread. So Andrew Gabaret uh, wrote a review of the Manhattan Project's number six, and unsurprisingly, we have a five out of five for story and a five out of five for art. With uh, but zero pick of the week percentage, which is odd. Uh, Actually, hey, I didn't update those. Okay, okay so there's my error. There you it's go. like this, this doesn't make any sense. There's your error. I'm sorry. Uh, and he says Hickman keeps making this alternate vision of the world events weirder and more awesome. The tone shifts away from funny but serious in the fi- in the first five issues to bleak and dour. The change in setting from the United States to Soviet Russia is the culprit. Moving from the stereotypical optimism of an even insane Americans to the world-beaten pessimism of Russians makes perfect sense. As a Russian history specialist, <laughs> I loved the looks at, this, at the secret Soviet cities and the dimness of Yuri Gagarin. Great writing and characters will make this my pick of the week until something drastic changes. 3% pick of the week. This yeah. was fucking I, awesome. There was a great... There was a great moment where the just the error goes out of the balloon for the for the character. Yep, yep. Um, who colored it again? Jordi Belair. There you go. There you go. So she's like uh, she's the Forrest Gump of comics. She's everywhere. No, that's right. The Blue Badger reviewed Saucer Country number seven. Give the story a three out of five. And the art a three out of five. And zero percent made of the pick. And I just checked, and that's correct. And the Blue Badger said, "I've been glued to my seat for most of the series." That said. There's a limit to how many issues I can read involving a main protagonist hearing stories and watching informative film strips. <laughs> the, limit is, the, lim- the limit is recently defined as two. <laughs> Which is true words, not spoken. Well, this was this was all sorts of confusing because the cover says Paul Cornell and Ryan Kelly, and I opened it up and I was like, "What did Ryan Kelly do to his style?" And then I got to the third page and see it was uh, uh, with art by David Laffham. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> DC's been having trouble matching their cover names with their interior names yeah. lately. But yeah. they did their covers eight months early. Yeah. Um, yeah. I enjoyed the last issue's info dump much more than this one. Yeah. I, I really like I think the last issue was my favorite issue, actually, of the series. This one, I didn't... It was yeah, a little, like, okay. A little, eh. So... Yeah. So those were some user reviews from some of the folks uh, from the community at fanboy.com. Go to fanboy.com slash comics. You can write your own reviews of the books and you might get it on the show. Um, we want to thank also our other sponsor of the New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is approaching. It's less than a month away, October 11th to October 14th at the Jacob Javits Center in New York. And listen, guys, I don't know if you've seen it, but they've really kind of gone overboard, I think, this year. <laughs> um, uh, some of the comics talent that will be at the show include Brian K. Vaughn, Rick Remender, Jif- Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns. <laughs> Ivan Rice, or Heiss, or however he pronounces his name. Uh, Jonathan Hickman, Mark Wade, Kieran Gillen, Mike Mignola, Scott Snyder, and literally tons more. And if you're not the type that's attracted by the comic ta- talent, but you want more of the movies and the TVs and stuff like that, they've got those guests amazing. as well, too. They've got none other than Bill Paxton. Game over, man! <laughs> Adam West and Burt Ward will be there. Doc Brown himself, Christopher Lloyd, who I thought was ah. dead. Um, <laughs> Elmo will be there from Sesame Street. <laughs> um, if you're into comedy, uh, one of my favorite comics, David Wayne. One of Josh's favorite comics, Rob Corddry, uh, Paul Shear. They're all going to be there. And, of course, Sean Astin will sign an autograph for you because he'll be there as well. He'll help share the load. Um, if, you were able, if you're able to purchase a VIP ticket, which they're all sold out of, but if you also get a four-day ticket holder, that means you're eligible to go to the kickoff concert, which will be at the Javits Center on October 11th on Thursday and see Ben Folds 5 play. And, you know, this is be important. They're reuniting. This is their tour. Yeah. They've been broken up for five, six years. It's yeah. just been Ben Folds on his own. This is the original five, which is actually three. They're going underground. What the again. hell are they doing there? I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> This is like a festival. This feels this really feels like a pop culture event. Um, <laughs> this is this is like Burning Man. If you, <laughs> Jesus, but not, but not in, at all. In any if, way. But not at all not, in any way. Not at all. But if so, if you want to go, if you want to be a part of it, you can get tickets. They're still on sale. Um, you have till October eighth to buy tickets in advance. You can get a four day pass for eighty five dollars, and that gets you into the concert. A three day pass for sixty five dollars, and they've got single day tickets available as well. But that's not a good deal. Um, so go to New York New York Comic Con dot com to get tickets and all the full details on the show. And will we be there? Yes. Will we be throwing another party? Yes. Uh, stay tuned. All that information is going to be coming out. So we hope to see you in New York, uh, one of our favorite shows, our hometown show, even though none of us live there anymore. Are you so, invited to our party? Maybe. Maybe. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Are you talking to me? Maybe I was. It's, it'll be like Burning Man, but with Rangers jerseys and Venom shirts. <laughs> And also nothing like that. Oh God! A lot of ra- I, I guarantee you, you will see a lot of Rangers jerseys. Yeah. And Venom shirts. They just announced and, that uh, that uh, the, a lot of the Walking Dead people are going to be there. Though. Yeah, all cast. Yeah, Ed yeah. Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, it's book of the month time. This uh, time of the month where one of us has to go. Oh crap! I've got the book of the month and then write about it. Uh, I had the week. I had the month this month, and it is Walt Disney's Uncle Scrooge Volume One. Only a poor old man. From Fantagraphics, who is in the process of doing wonderful hardcover collections of Carl Barks's work, and I don't know, have you guys? Did you guys read Carl Barks comics? Of course. Uh, well, not everyone did. Yeah. Well, I no. mean, grow, growing up was that those Disney comics were a bit of a staple, and you didn't. Yeah, uh, it's like, funny because I was yeah. thinking as I was before writing the the review, thinking about what I was going to write about, and. When you become a teenager, you got, you want to go with the cool stuff, right? And when we were teenagers, that's when Image hit. So it, you know that's you sort of moved away from your childish pursuits, 
And I, but I re- realized that before that time, Walt Disney comics were some of my staples. Yeah, totally. I, I, we would get those. We would get those thick digests, like when I would travel. Like when we travel, like my parents would just like buy one of those, like thick. They're not. Tra- they were digest size. They were crappy paper, but they were all Don Rosa and Carl Barks and all the classics. Yeah, yeah I used to have these collections, which I can't find. They were oversized. They were white. They had dust jackets. I just can't yeah. find them online anywhere. And then I had the I had issues. I'd buy them in the newsstand because yep. that's where you got comics back then. And uh, I had tons of them, and I read them. From, I read them over and over and over and over again. Yep. Uh, so when I heard that they were that Fantagraphics was doing these Uncle Scrooge ones, which were my favorite of the comics, I snapped this book up. It is a wonderful presentation. You know, Fantagraphics we know from the past does really nice collections, really nice books. Um, it features. 27, if I, if I recall correctly, Scrooge stories. Most of them are one-pagers because that's what they did. They did a long story and they did a bunch of one-pagers in the, in the single issues. So it's the first – it's chronological. So it's the first 27 Scrooge stories that Carl Barks did. And Carl Barks, for people who don't real, know or realize, is one of the genuine legends in, in comic – in cartooning, in, in the industry. And he's not – because he didn't do superheroes or Marvel and DC work. A lot of people don't know who he is. But he was one of the first inductees into the wall uh, – Eisner Hall of Fame, yep. along with Jack Kirby and Eisner, those are the three first. It's like it's like Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, you know that first class of, of cartoonists that went into that. Hall well, of without, Fame. as far as we know, the massive racism. <laughs> well, you never know. I said, as far as we know, I left myself that um, out. But it, it, you know, these I'm are, not saying that Carl Barks was in the Klan. Uncle Scrooge. I'm gonna just move right past that. Uncle Scrooge. Stories were wonderful, and if you, anyone who watched DuckTales will remember oh, uh, Uncle so Scrooge good. and his giant money bin that, was, that he was constantly protecting from the Beagle Boys, constantly moving around, constantly worried about, constantly uh, fretting over, and also swimming in. Yep. And in these, in these stories, you've got comedic tales, comedic one-shots, you've got long 30-page adventures. One of the things you learned is because there's a whole back matter section where these professors and other, other Karl Barks experts break down each story. And, and sort of uh, analyze them, which is which is really interesting, cool. and and uh, you know the the and they, a lot of stuff about Karl Barks himself. He wanted to draw adventure tales, but he had you know he he was drawing for Disney, so he had to draw a lot of roundheads because they all had roundheads. So he would co- concoct ways to send them out on on adventures, so he could draw space uh, sea adventures, and he could draw jungle adventures, and he could draw a Klondike, you know, Alaskan adventures. So he. He figured out what he wanted to draw and then put the characters into them and wrote these wonderful tales about these, you know, people think they're just goofy tales, but they're stories about life. I mean, Uncle Scrooge was a self-made man. He came from nothing in the, in the 1800s and he built his fortune up and now he worries about it constantly. And, the, you know, there's a lot of underlying things about is wealth worth it because he spends all of his time worried about it and it gives him the shivers and he gets, he's got nerve problems and... But he's also, you know, but they're also fun classic Disney tales. It's all underneath the surface. It's not like it's heavy-handed uh, stuff. But people are constantly trying to steal the money. He's constantly moving it around. He's changing it for bills to coins, coins to bills, and and it's just it's wonderful high adventure in in the in the great Disney tradition. And and Carl Barks was a master cartoonist. Is there yeah. is there much bin swimming? There's a lot of bin swimming. And do they get into the physics of it there? Because I always felt wanting there is a that joke, dark horse. There is a joke in the very beginning in, when the, the Beagle Boys first steal the bunny bin and they try to swim and they all land hard on the money in that the only person that can do it is Uncle Scrooge. He well, because what they, what, they, what they don't show you, what happens in between the panels is that he open, he gets in a swimsuit and in between the panel where he walks up to the vault and opens the door, like right before that he actually dips his entire body in Vaseline. 
And that's what gives them the, the, the viscosity to swim through the coins. And that's what the Beagle Brothers never knew. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one that can do it, Josh. No one else can do it. Uh, so v- it, viscosity. Viscosity. That's that's the wrong word. No, it's not. It's totally the right word. Viscosity is the thickness of that liquid. Right. Well, you were giving. You were talking about lubrication. Viscosity is he the measure of the resistance of a fluid, which is deformed by either shear stress or tensile stress. Yeah, but that's that's a property of the liquid, not of the thing well, it's put well, on. The viscosity of what he's putting on him to. Res- You're saying he knows the specific uh, Vaseline viscosity that yes. nobody else he has a special brand right that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying okay well he's a he's a jillionaire he probably has his own brand of whatever yeah. he, he vastly challenge accepted All right. so this is a kind of collection that you would be interested in if you were a fan of a the old comics or b the, the just the classics of storytelling of cartooning josh would really i think you'd really enjoy looking through this and looking at the way he put together pages and stories yeah uh, I've, I've i've heard his name associated with that forever yeah he's great he is one of the one of the all time great artists. Who weren't, they, weren't they doing big collections of this? Th- this has been bouncing around. I mean, like, well, they've they've been doing diamond. Like, didn't Geppy? Wasn't he the one publishing yeah. them? Yeah, a lot of people through the years have had these um, rights for them, but now Fantagraphics has them. And it says in here that they are doing they are in the process of doing a comprehensive Karl Barks series, and this is the first Uncle Scrooge volume, and it would be volume twelve. Yeah. So like they're doing, they're going back to the beginning, but this Uncle Scrooge is the most popular one, so they started, they starting here. But it says this is volume twelve of the complete Carl Barks Disney Library uh, that they're they're working through. It's got a George Lucas uh, intro. Wow, that, oh. that is copyright Lucasfilm because everything he does is copyright himself. Of course, uh, yeah, his neck is copyright Lucasfilm. <laughs> so, oh jeez, this yeah, is a wonderful clay. It's, it's got no dust jacket. It's printed on the on the book itself. Nice. And it's, it's a nice. It's a really nice production. Uh, you can you can raise text in the. I'm running my finger over the cover. He's got raised text on the front. It's just they did it all. They went all out. If you're a fan of Carl Barks or Uncle Scrooge or Disney comics, this is a must-have. Cool, good pick. Thank you. So go to ifanboy.com where you can read Connor's book of the month pick. Um, we have lots of emails left over from the 350th show, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, well, they kept coming in after Might it, it, it had gone up. Yeah. <laughs> Our first email comes from D in Virginia, which says. I was, out, I was out of comics for many years, but jumped back in in full force with DC's New 52 about a year ago. I'm actually awaiting the Marvel Now launch, and I get the impression that it won't be as accessible to new readers as some of the New 52 was. What are the essential X-Men and Avengers trades to pick up to have an idea of what's going on? I'm sure I'm not the only person in this position, or maybe I am. In which case, I'm an asshole, and you should delete this email. You're not an asshole. We might want to delete the email, though. Yeah, we might want to. Um, I would say get the AVX collection, which is going to come out the day issue 12 comes out. I think that's probably a good easing into the, the status quo. I don't think I don't think you need to get anything. I don't think you need to get anything. Yeah, just dive right in. I think that, that if they if they do what they're supposed to do, there won't be a. Yeah. I mean, now, it's not you, a, it's not a reboot starting from scratch. People have asked why are we doing, you know, why are we going to review the books like Marvel Now books like we did New Fifty Two because they're not all going coming out the first week. They're not all. It's being rolled slowly rolled out. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so, and, and honestly, I think buying them all will bankrupt all of us again. So, um, <laughs> but uh, well, well, I mean, I'll sample. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I was talking about this in my store. I don't know if I'm going to get them all or not. I don't. Like, I'm actually using it as an excuse to trim back. Actually, to be honest with you, people are. Um, yeah, yeah. So it might have the the opposite effect of DC. Although DC, I'm pretty much down to what I was buying a year ago too. So. D, D just 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 buy the first issues. Yeah. You don't really need to read anything to get caught up. And then if, if, you, if, and then, if you don't like it, then then you know you don't have to buy it. You yeah, can try something else. But then if you want to read class. Classic Avengers X Men stories. They're ton- you know astonishing X Men or Dark Phoenix Saga or Avengers. You know like uh, Breakout. Like there's whole there's a whole bunch of great stories you can read. But literally, you, you don't need Dark to- Phoenix Saga is kind of the only thing anybody needs to read because all the stories are kind of based on that anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
Ryan from Milwaukee writes and says, I've been a fan of your show since I started reading comics, but I've always been a little annoyed at how negative you can be about the big two. He's well, talking about me. I'm sort of new to comics, and I've never understood how such a large part of the comics internet could be so bitter about stories about people in tights punching each other. <laughs> then I heard about the news about Avengers Arena. <laughs> Fuck that shit. I've loved Avengers Academy literally since I started reading comics, and I cannot fathom how Marvel could think this is what we want. Christos Gage gave those brand new characters real heart and soul, and I had hoped some writer would pick them up and do something meaningful with them after the current series ends. But instead, Marvel decides to Hunger Games them along with a bunch of other characters they see as disposable. Is this something I should get used to? Is it not worth, to, worth it to get too invested in new characters? Watching Marvel do something like stupid and awful with my favorite characters is making me understand the bitterness I see online. Is this how the 90s felt for you guys? Oh, I don't think it was the 90s. Not at all. I was 13. Yeah. This stuff was all awesome. If I was yeah. 13, Avengers Arena would be the best thing ever. Yeah, totally, Joe. I mean, like, yeah, same thing with, uh, with AVX Versus. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in the 90s, I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah, if I go back and read those books now, they're awful. But yeah. in the 90s, they were awful. I, were I mean, the thing is, is that they're going to – and the th- this is not new. I mean, this is, the, this is the problem with mainstream comics is that they will follow the mainstream. And there is a large history of both Marvel and DC following whatever is popular at the time. Or any, I mean, any yeah. media does that. I mean, you yeah. Know, I mean, hell, that's look why at there the, are there are every version of possible reality shows on on, on you know variations on American yeah. Idol. That's they're, they're gonna the same s- thing. They're gonna squeeze every dollar out of these characters they can, and if they see that they, they the Hunger Games battle royale style story is what people want, then they're gonna give that to them. You know, so. In the seventies, people wanted kung fu and and black exploitation stuff like that, so they gave it to them. Yep. You know, in the eighties, people wanted action figures, so they did Secret Wars. You know, like twenty that. years from now, people are going to look back at Avengers Arena and, and like it was some sort of like, oh, that was the shit then. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, <laughs> like Secret Wars. <laughs> I think I think the bigger exactly the bigger thing is that it is a good lesson to learn about someone new to comics is that you can't get too attached to these Marvel DC characters because they'll change however the companies see fit to change them. Exactly. Just enjoy the stories that they're in while they're in them. Yep. If the thing comes along that you don't like it, it does not blank out what you did before. And just wait a while; it'll change again yep. yeah exactly so. but never to what it is exactly that you wanted unless it does turn to exactly what you wanted then you're like this isn't as good as i remember remembered it so or, you can't win or it'll change back to exactly what you wanted in the last three issues that's a very good point or you'll chase that high like ron for the last 20 years chasing yeah. that yeah chasing Chase, that x-men high chasing the be- dragon chasing the, the <laughs> x-shaped dragon lance in texas writes in and says with marvel now on the horizon i'm thinking about switching to trades my I weekly- assume this is Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Well, yes. he's probably lying then. My weekly budget affords me three to four books or one trade. What do you guys think? The blood doping is expensive. What, what do you guys think are the pros and cons of doing such? Thanks again for the great site and thank you for the for all that you and your team do. I can't imagine going back to the old days of reading comics in a silo. Why did you do that? I don't know. What did you work? Did you work on a farm or, or was it a missile base? I think it was a missile base. I think um, that makes the most sense. I did not know that Lance Armstrong used to work on a missile base. <laughs> Anyway, buying three to four three to four issues a month, or just buying one trade. Pros and cons. I think the, the, I think it depends on what you're looking for. If you want to be in on the, the weekly discussion, then you're going to miss out on the trades. If you if you if you're worried about being spoiled, you're going to get spoiled. I mean, if you're a trade reader, you have to accept certain tra- things. A trade a week isn't bad. No, money wise, it's all right. But I'm just saying, story wise, if you're okay with possibly being spoiled, and if you're staying up with the news, then you're yeah. okay with reading trades. If and you don't the, want yeah. to spoil, then the thing, yeah, the thing with the trade is that you can be a little picky, more picky. You can make sure you're getting quality, but then you also, can hear after the fact if it was good. And, yeah, uh, but then also, it, like the reason why I can't shop for trades is because Lord knows I can't keep up with like you know. So like when we were raving about Animal Man in September, you would have waited till May to get the trade, right? Because yeah. DC is so slow with that shit. So I'm you know yeah. 
it's tough. I don't think there's anything. It's wrong really with a you. preference thing. Yeah, it's totally a preference thing. Honestly, I think I mean, if you really like, like, do you like the idea of like mainlining a DVD season? You know, after it comes out, you know, then that's then getting the full story. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's also, you can you tend to get them cheaper. Yeah, but I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. Yep. Yeah. And right. if you don't, want to, don't worry about being spoiled, then go for it. All right, so if you have any questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. We're skipping the voicemails because we did the book of the month, um, but that doesn't mean you don't have more to listen to. You can listen to iFanboy Don't Miss, which is our podcast where we talk to a creator about what's coming out that you absolutely should get when you go to the store. And this Monday, coming out uh, this week, you can subscribe to it on iTunes or go to iFanboy.com. You can hear Paul Montgomery talk to Andy Diggle about the new Doctor Who series from IDW. So all you Doctor Who fans... Here's a bone for you. Oh, God. Um, and you can, like I said, you can subscribe to that in iTunes uh, or listen to it at ifanboy.com. Same way that you could listen to the Make Comics podcast where I talk to Andy Schmidt, uh, head of comics experience, which is sort of a, a school for folks who want to make comics in its various disciplines. Uh, and we'll pick a topic and do sort of a short discussion on it uh, every week about uh, breaking into comics and, and you know whether it's writing or art or or lettering. I you're gonna say whether it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that'd be a short show. <laughs> that'd be a long show. I don't know. The, this week, uh, the episode we we actually we did a few questions. I think the first time we did that. Uh, so that comes out on Wednesdays, and uh, like Ron said, it's on ifanboy.com or or you can get it on iTunes. We don't have any special edition shows right now, but we got two coming up. I know oh. one Ron is very excited for. We're going to talk about Dread 3D when that comes out in the U.S., which was awesome. And spoilers. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but when that happens, Ron and I and probably Paul will talk about it. And then the iFanboy Animation Brain Trust will reconvene for Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 1, which comes out, I think, the week after. So well, you'll the, be Is get, it part one of the podcast or part one of the movie? Part one of the doing two-part movie for oh, it. Oh, Jesus. So Have you considered doing four parts of the podcast? We might. Then? You don't know you how much of pain in the ass it is to schedule those shows. Oh, you. I can imagine. I can so imagine. <laughs> you're lucky to get them at all. All right. Uh, so that's coming up soon. Just keep an eye on those coming out in the next couple weeks. Cool. And in the meantime, you can go to fanboy.com. You can read my Pick of the Week review and my Book of the Month review. It's all about me this week, <laughs> as well as all the great content that comes out daily, the great features, the funny stuff, the news. Everything is topical. You go to fanboy.com slash about to see our staff pages and our social network links to be our friends online. And follow all the action at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can also email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697 uh, with your questions, comments, concerns, and discussion topics and all that stuff. And make sure if you're leaving a voicemail for the show, you know, make it, make it good for the show. Don't make it go too long. Tell us who you are and where you're from. And, uh, you know, it's up to, you got to make it good. It's up to you. There's your challenge. But when you do, it's great. And we thank you. Yes. And if you like what you listen to, go to iTunes and write a review for this podcast as well as iFanboy Don't Miss and uh, iFanboy Make Comics. And tell your friends. Say if your friends are into comics, tell them you should check out iFanboy. It's awesome. And uh, click all the links of our sponsors and all that fun stuff. We thank everybody for their support. We look forward to see you in New York uh, for New York Comic Con coming up. And honestly, personally, this episode, I've enjoyed listening to the slow demise of Josh. <laughs> it's, I've completely stuffed up over the past I, 10 minutes I noticed, I know it's like the, sorry. It's like the moment the cold medicine wore off <laughs> yeah, it, really, it was really what happened and it came on that fast too like I was fine this afternoon, like noon yeah. by 1 o'clock I was a mess yeah. yeah, I've had that happen on the show where you're, you're fine and then the medicine wears off and suddenly you're swimming yeah. people yeah. don't realize how long an hour actually is so. <laughs> yeah, it was me right, oh, I know. So, so let's put Josh out of his misery until next time, I'm Ron I'm Connor I'm Josh, thanks very much 